It's the pre-combine edition of the Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. Star of the show, Adam Beasley. Helped out, as always, by caddy of the show, Armando Salguero. Beasley, I want a raise for my caddying prowess. Yeah, yeah. If there's ever a week that I'm the star and you're the caddy is proven absurd, this is the week, Armando, because uh, you made some news this week, I think. Um, well, there was, uh, there was a little bit of news, and um, absolutely, let's get to that right away, because in case you have not read, uh, the Miami Herald reported that uh, Tua Tungavaloa, who is everybody's favorite in Miami, following his Super Bowl publicity tour, and Justin Herbert, who no one in Miami knows or cares about, it seems, are a lot closer to each other in the eyes of the Miami Dolphins than anyone would have believed. Did that kind of shock you a little bit, Adam? Uh, my, my jaw is still on the floor uh, because this would be the kind of story uh, that you would usually get from some national guy or somebody not in touch with the Dolphins closely that would be a smokescreen. But knowing your reporting, knowing your years and years of, uh, of, of contacts inside and outside the organization, there is zero reason to believe it's not the 100% truth. So given that level of credibility, I still can't believe it. <laughs> I, my, my, my head, my simple, feeble brain cannot get around the fact that they see these two candidates on the same level. And yet since you reported it, it's 100% true. What is your thinking? Yeah, so I went back. I went back after uh, that story came out, and I looked again. And dude, Justin Herbert is maddening. He is to look at him on tape. It is maddening to watch how he consistently misses on what should be drive extending throws. And it is just – it makes you want to pull your hair out. Uh, the, the fact that throws that a lot of guys should make if they're going to be top ten quarterback draftees, he misses on. And I just want to like <laughs> – how is this possible? And yet – you know, there it is. It, it's it's right there. But I see what apparently some of what the Dolphins are seeing. Man, he looks the part as far as physically, and he looks the part as far as arm um, strength, and he looks the part as far as, uh, you know, leadership and stuff like that. Guys kind of rally to him, and you want that. And the Dolphins love that. But the other thing, I, I, so the question with him is, can you fix the accuracy issue? Yeah, and, and that's an enormous question. There is a, uh, let's see, I, I, I think it was Jed Fish I talked to last summer, a former UM offensive coordinator at the time. He, and I think he still might be out to check, was, uh, was an offensive assistant with the Rams under uh, – under that juggernaut they had going on about a year and a half ago. And, yeah. Um, and and he said that uh, 
you can teach reading defenses. You can teach and try to improve uh, timing and, ac- and, and, and leadership. These are things you can work on. And accuracy, you just hope they're born with it. Accuracy is one thing that if, if you've got it at age five, you're going to have it at age 35. But if you don't have it at five, it's going to be really hard to get, to get it at 35. And I think that's kind of the conventional wisdom around the NFL. Um, if, if, you were to, if you were to approach me, Armando, and said, look, the Dolphins have serious concerns about Tua's health. They love Burrow, but nobody thinks that's going to happen. Uh, and they would consider moving up from, say, 18 to 12 or 13 to get Herbert after getting an impact player at five. I'd be okay. I can get my mind around that. But to make him their first pick, and let's be honest, this is the signature pick of the Greer-Flores administration, right? This is, this is uh, the one thing they're going to be judged by. Christian Wilkins, no, one's, no one remembers he was the first pick of their, of their tenure. This is really the first pick of their administration. And Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert, who is a, a, a fine athlete, who, who, who sits back there in the pocket and sometimes looks like he's never read a defense before and, never, and has very little instinctual greatness. I, I, I just don't get it. My, my, again, I, I'm going back to my feeble brain. I just don't understand how they can see a guy who looks, has some tools, as you mentioned, but looks a long way off from being polished and ready for the NFL and saying, that who's, that's who we're staking our future on. That's who we're staking our careers on. He is going to be the guy that's going to lead us to the Super Bowl. I just don't see it. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I mean, you know what? The, the draft is, if nothing else, about projecting. It's about looking into the future and believing that, uh, uh, an intended result can happen. And I've talked to people who tell me that if you take Justin Herbert, little mound of six foot six, 237 pound mound of clay, Justin Herbert, and get him a good quarterback coach, which some people doubt that he's had, you know, get him some good teaching, get him hours of that teaching. You can fix the issue of accuracy with better footwork, uh, a, a shorter base. I mean, I, you watch him throw some of these passes, and his foot, his front foot is like three, two yards uh, apart from his back foot. It's like, you know, the, the man is ready to ride a bull if you put it under him. So that is problematic for accuracy. I, I don't know... Uh, if the Dolphins are there yet, in fact, I know that – actually, let me change that. I know the Dolphins are not there yet, okay? By the way, they're not there yet with anyone else. But I can understand why this guy is intriguing based on what the possibilities are and based on, you know, what the package is as far as – Again, 6'6", 237, never injured, uh, you know, good leadership, really bright mind, good kid, and great arm. I get that stuff. He's a project. I've got news for you. I don't think anyone not named, uh, anyone not named Joe Burrow in the first round, they're projects. Would you agree with that? 
Even a healthy Tua? Well, but that that person doesn't exist. A healthy Tua does not exist. And and, and that yeah, and, and that leads me to the, the broader question. If if they get in there whenever Tua's medical is, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but it's gonna be next week. Tua's gonna Tua and all the quarterbacks are gonna talk to us on Tuesday morning. Um if they get in there and uh, their, their doctors or the NFL's doctors, whoever administers the CT scan, the MRI, and, and it goes through range of motion and all that with them, and they're like, wow, this guy, he, oh, the hype is real about his recovery. He is the bionic man. He, he comes back bigger, faster, stronger. And, uh, yes, there could be some concerns about arthritis down the road, but we're not worried about 2030. We're worried about 2020. Um, do they still take Justin Herbert over that? I mean, that, that to me is – I understand if there are real concerns about the, 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 the long-term viability of the hip. Totally understand. And, 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 and Chris would have absolute reason to be cautious with that. But if that's not the case and you still like Herbert over Tua, I'm, I'm, I'm out on that. I am. I, 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 it would be a bad pick in my mind. I agree. I, I don't think – again, I don't think they like Herbert over Tua. They're not there yet. It, for them, I think the uh, the reporting says that they they are closer than what you and I might believe. Mm-hmm. Certainly, what you believe. Um, so there's that. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, and, and again, with even next week, Adam, that's not going to answer the two uh, uh, injury and durability questions because. I'm pretty sure that Tua Tungavailoa will not be on the field next week doing anything physical. In fact, I know that he won't. He's right. not ready. So no matter what Mr. MRI and CT scan and Dr. Love says, <laughs> Tua's not ready. And he's definitely not ready for, you know, taking over the and being the face of the franchise. I will say this, man, you watch Tua play, <laughs> oh, my God, he's really, uh, he's just, it's elite. Yes. It's just elite. And, uh, when and, he, go ahead. No, I was saying, and he'd be the number one pick in the draft if he didn't get hurt. There's no question in my mind. Agree. Agree. Because he just has gifts that, I mean, it would be close between him and Burrow, but they would be one and two. It mm-hmm. wouldn't be one and maybe four or five. It would be one and two. And it, there would be a fight, a massive fight between them, regardless of what stats Joe Burrow put up this year. Um, given that, what do you do? What, you make the call, brother. Go ahead, GM uh, Adam. Uh, I, I, I've been on record saying that Herbert really scares me at five. He does. And I think he's a, he's a fine prospect if you're going to take him in the middle of the round. If you see him as the second-best player, second-best quarterback, and the fifth-best player in the NFL draft, I think uh, I would have to question some evaluation. I would, just because there are so many better options out there. At other positions, I know quarterback is the one thing that they absolutely have to get out of this draft with. But if you, feel, if, 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 if you feel pressure to go and, 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 and reach for a guy at five, 
it's not a well-run organization. It's not. You, you should not be putting the stress on your GM as an owner, as a coach, to go and reach for a guy that doesn't deserve to go fifth overall. That's just my opinion. Yeah, but you started this podcast saying that it is the defining pick of this uh, Dolphins administration. So you're saying that there should be no pressure on this pick? There's absolute pressure. It is like career pick. <laughs> it's, it, they got to get this right. And, oh, by the way, uh, so I reported this morning that they absolutely will be drafting a quarterback. You know, there's a lot of people that have said and have floated the idea of, well, there's no right answer. Let's just pick, you know, best player available at another position and load up there and come back for quarterback next year. Not going to happen. And I I, I understand the motivations and the concerns of the people in that building to, to address that position this year. I think if you make a if you make a decision you're only lukewarm about and I'm not saying that's the case with Herbert. They might we might get to April twenty sixth or whenever the draft is and they absolutely love the dude. That that it, it it's possible. It, 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 it's possible. If that's the case, they're going to be judged on that decision. But if those other motivations you're talking about are a deciding factor, that that is how bad decisions get made. It is. There's a long history, a long history in the NFL of people talking them into picks because of need. And more often than not, those picks blow up in their face. So you didn't say what you would do. Well, we have to tease something for the other side of the break. Okay. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, so it's the fifth pick of the draft, Armando. GM Beasley has to make a decision, and he takes Tua. He takes the player that, to his eyes, has the most, the highest likelihood of stepping into the NFL and being an elite player. Not someone you project down the road maybe you could develop with a good coaching staff and right footwork and all that. No, I take the guy that from the moment he stepped on the national stage, which was the national championship of the 2017 season, he was nails. He was throwing the ball all over the field. As a true freshman, he was the best player in, the, in college football. He's been the best player in college football, even though he hasn't won the Heisman ever since. I take him, and I pray to everything that's holy that he stays healthy because my career's at risk. That's great, except I'm not going to let GM Beasley off the hook that easy because the, <laughs> pressure, the pressure doesn't come necessarily at five. It comes at number three or four. So given that, 
given that the San Diego Padres are behind you, and they, <laughs> they might want to, uh, they they might want to trade up for a pitcher and a lefty at that. Uh, given that the Carolina Panthers are likely going to be trading Cam Newton and need a quarterback, and they're at number seven, and they might want to go up to get that quarterback. Do you, GM Beasley, trade up if necessary, if possible, to number three or number four, give up multiple first-round picks to then have to take injured to a or inaccurate Herbert? What's his medical say next week? We know what his medical is going to say. He's fine. Okay. He's going to be fine. And and what else is going to happen? Let me help you. And we've discussed it before. The pro day is going to look great. And the interviews are going to go, go very well. And Nick Saban is going to say a bunch of great things like he said about Kenyon Drake and Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, it's going to go awesome. The rehab will be complete by draft day. It's going to be great if you can believe it. So take that. Are, are, are those my only two options? Because I, 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 I want to take behind door number three. And here's, Which, door, number, here's door number three, Armando. I, I'm Steve Ross, and I get on the phone today with Ed Orgeron. And I say, hey, Ed, you've got great facilities in LSU. How would you like the best facilities of any sport, of any team in the world? Here's a check for $10 million. And you're going to have a check for $10 million in each of the next five years. I'm going to donate $50 million to your athletic department. It's going to be off the books. It's going to be an anonymous donation, so nobody knows. But I'm going to do whatever I can to get in your head. So you get in your player's head, in Joe Burrow's head, and he comes out next week at 9 a.m. at the podium on Tuesday in Indianapolis and says these words, I will not report to the Cincinnati Bengals if they draft me. I want to go to another team, a team with a better ownership structure, and I am happy to sit out a year because I am the best player in the draft. I'm going to be a top-five pick next year. Any team that is a better a better for my future is going to take me next year. I will not report to the Cincinnati Bengals. You do all that, and then I go up and I trade and get Joe Burrow because the Bengals are not going to waste a year with a number-one pick. They are going to take value if you give them value for that pick because they have a complete rebuild like the Dolphins. And I go and get the quarterback that has no health risks, that threw seven touchdowns in the first half of the national semifinal, and – you know, as you mentioned, is either the first or the best, second best prospect in the draft, if Tua's, even if Tua's healthy. That's what I do. Yeah, Louisiana State University is a public university. There is no off-the-books donation. <laughs> so I, I can look up what Ed Orgeron actually makes and tell you. It's all public information. It's a public school. So, sorry, Steven, you're not getting me the under-the-table donation. And, and I get it. Uh, you know, let's, let's – look, I, I would like Joe Burrow, too. I think that's the great play. But I think we both know that is the great play that the Cincinnati Bengals have a say in. And I'm not so sure that they have the desire – to give up the only slam-dunk quarterback in the draft when they have no slam-dunk quarterback on their roster. 
I, I agree. It, it would be on Burrow to make things so uncomfortable for them, and he, he would need to tick off the Bengals fan, <clears throat> fan base so much that it's untenable for them to even take him and, and carry him for a year. As Flip, the out. Flip the script. Tank 2019 uh, was a success. The Miami Dolphins have the first overall pick. Joe Burrow is looking at the Miami Dolphins sideways because they haven't won in a Super Bowl since 1974, and they've been a mess in the 21st century. He's never known football where the Miami Dolphins were good, and he doesn't want to come to the Miami Dolphins. You, as the Miami Dolphins, and Miami Dolphins fans listening to this podcast, react how to Joe Burrow? Well, let me ask you this, Armando. Does Joe Burrow say complimentary things about Fidel Castro? Does he do things that so huh? poison? Does he do things that po- so poison him in the minds of Dolphins fans? Intentionally, he might not even believe these things, but he is so adamant not to come to the Dolphins. He has he he can behave in ways that makes him not the number one pick of the draft or makes him not go to the Bengals. He's going to take an enormous PR hit by doing so. And the question is, does he want that, that attack on his credibility? If he is so adamant not to go to the Dolphins, he can do things that make him – that the Dolphins can't stomach taking him. He, he could do that. That's, that's within his power. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, he's an Ohio kid, and he's a classy guy. I've met him at the Heisman, um, which I had the privilege to cover this year. But that's not reality. He's not – if he is going to try to vacate the Cincinnati Bengals, he's going to do it in a professional and classy manner, or as professionally and classily as he can do it. It's not going to be, hey, Michigan is better than Ohio State. <laughs> stupid stuff. So think about reality. If you're the Miami Dolphins in the number one overall pick, do you say, yeah, Joe Burrow doesn't want to come to us, so, yeah, okay, we'll just, we'll, give me a white flag so we can wave it, and, you know, we'll we'll suck around for the next 15 years because we just decided not to have the best quarterback in the draft. Well, totally understood. The, the, the Burrow's got some levers, but not enough. And the question would be, what would it take for the Bengals to get, to get off that pick? What what kind of draft haul would it take for them to move a, down to five? That's a and, great. And we don't know that answer, but my guess is all three of the all three of the Dolphins first round picks as no. a starting point. No. You think more? Yes. What do you think it would take? The problem for the Miami Dolphins is that they have five first round picks. Mm-hmm. If the Dolphins had less, the 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 ceiling would be less. But because the Dolphins have so much the ceiling will be more. And so that's not necessarily where it ends up, but that is where it begins. And so everybody is going to want to plunder and pillage. The The Dolphins are going to be like an English village in the 14th century <laughs> during the draft because the Romans are on one side, the Celts are on the other, and there's fire right in the middle of the village. <laughs> Everybody wants to pillage the Dolphins' village. <laughs> I'm telling you, the, the the opening bell would be, you've got first five first-round picks, I want four. Or I want five first-round picks. 
for this number one overall pick. Yeah. You, you can't give five, obviously. No, I that's, know that, but that's the opening salvo. Right, right. Um, I think at the end of the day, no matter – and you're right. The, the Dolphins are – they are right for the picking. But at the end of the day, it still is what can the Dolphins offer versus what does anyone else offer. And the Dolphins aren't – they're not a bunch of dummies in that, in that, in that office. They know – they know <laughs> – <laughs> we can we can get to that another day. We're that's a whole other podcast. But I don't think there are a second for Josh Rosen. Who else wants to uh, give you a second? Nobody else. Okay, we'll do it, and we'll add a fifth. It was a late second. It wasn't a real second. Sure. So so uh, they are going to have an understanding that yes, the Chargers would probably love to jump up there as well, but they would be jumping up from seven which is a worse pick than five for the, uh, for the Bengals that they would move back. And yeah. they, would, they don't have anywhere near the ammunition. So if the Bengals say, hey, we want five first-round picks, the Dolphins will say, okay, show me another team that's going to even offer you three. Show me a team that can offer you three or four of those picks. And the answer is nobody can. So they, they, they will, unless, <laughs> unless disaster strikes, uh, they will have an understanding. The question is, at, at what point do the Bengals say Joe Burrow with his baggage of not wanting to come here? And we don't know for certain he doesn't want to come. We'll find out next week, maybe, when he, get, when he takes the podium, how he reacts to Cincinnati questions, which is, to me, the most interesting thing of the entire week. Yeah, Burrow, uh, Tua's health is interesting. We have an idea, as you said, where that's going to go. How Burrow is going to handle that moment with hundreds upon hundreds of national and local media descending on him that, 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 to me, is, 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 is totally fascinating. But if the Bengals say, see a guy who think, they think might be a malcontent, who's taking lessons from uh, the brother of the guy who you used the number one pick on quarterback last, and he just defecated all over your franchise in the media, do they say, you know what, we're willing to go and move on from you for three firsts in a, in a second. That's, that's what we'll do. And if that's the case, the Dolphins should run to the podium, submit the card, and get the cleanest – uh, best quarterback in this year's draft, all things considered. Let's get out of here on this, Adam. Uh, Joe Burrow might not want to go to Cincinnati because he doesn't think that they're a well-run organization. You know where I'm going with this? I can't wait. Uh, so let's see what the options would be, okay? Um, maybe the Washington Redskins want Joe Burrow because, you know, the new coach – Ron Rivera isn't sold on Dwayne Haskins. Are they a well-run organization? Not in the last 20 years. No. Okay, the New York Giants don't factor. They've got their quarterback. The Detroit Lions at number three, are they a well-run organization? Not in the last 60 years. Okay, so not them either. Let's see, the Miami Dolphins at number five, are they a well-run organization? Uh, no, they're not. They haven't been. They, they haven't been, no. The San Diego Padres at number, <laughs> uh, at number seven. Are they a well-run organization? Uh, no, they're not. Okay. I mean, they play in front of massive crowds of 19,000 fans, and they're going to move to someone else's stadium, and the city doesn't want them, and the owner has no money, because that's the reason that they moved from San Diego to Los Angeles. So, no, they're not a well-run organization. Joe Burrow, dude, 
You want to get to a well-run organization, but you don't want to go to Cincinnati because you want to be with a well-run organization. Good luck, brother. Yeah. Yeah, I would say this, and might just this must, might just be proximity bias, but the Dolphins and the Bengals aren't in the same class. Like, Steve Ross would spend a billion dollars if he needed to to win a Super Bowl. Uh, you think the people in Cincinnati are going to do that? No. They're, no. They're, they're, they're not. So, so but, yes, you might you might you might quibble with the decision makers, and certainly they've had some dysfunction here, no question. But that franchise is is famously a dumpster fire. I mean, that, that's like yes, the, the, yeah. There's bad, and then there's just bad. And no, they're bad, but they've been better than the Dolphins the last twenty years. I, I think a large part thanks to Marvin Lewis, who they fired for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, they've been better than the Dolphins. I mean, I don't like their head coach, who was a former Dolphins uh, assistant. I don't like that. I thought that was a bad pick. But the history, the W's and the L's, uh, I, uh, I don't know, dude. Well, all you would need to do is put on that well-played Dolphins-Bengals game from Week 15 and uh, Week 16, wherever it was, and uh, and see those are high two high-functioning franchises playing at the top of their powers. Yeah, terrible. All right, so we appreciate you listening to this edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. We will be potting. Um, I didn't say going potty. I said potting. Potting? Is it potting? potting? Is that a word? Potting in person. Indeed. From Indianapolis next week. So please tune in to the We're in Indianapolis for the Combine edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. Once again, Adam Beasley, great job by you, bro. Hey, you know what? I've set a standard and I meet it every single week.